Hello and welcome to episode 18. My name is Ross. Hello, Craig. It's time to put the kettle on because it's tea time. So, should we get started with the news? Yes, let's go. Following on for some recent episodes where we've talked about um, going to Mars and finding ice on the moon, I found a couple of quick space-based news articles, so I thought I'd share them with you because I like space. Uh, number one, uh, NASA has recently made contact with Voyager 2 for the first time in months as NASA tests out some new equipment. Voyager and Voyager 2 were both launched out into interstellar space and has now travelled 11.6 billion miles in the last 43 years. Mm. I love space because all the like the big numbers you get, like the ridiculous numbers that you get. Do you know what I mean? Um, like this thing was launched before it was even born, and then 11.6 billion miles of flying through space. Uh, I mean, I just don't understand how it doesn't hit something. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, well, it hasn't hit, a, hasn't hit a planet, hasn't hit an asteroid, hasn't hit an alien, hasn't hit anything. It's just 43 years in one line, boom, and we can still talk to it. It's crazy. But anyway, so that's uh, that's fun to know, isn't it? it? It does really mean that there is a massive universe out there for us to explore. Yes. So if we do, so. we've still got alternatives. It's okay. <laughs> Think. Well, actually, no. I guess it's bad news for that because actually, there's there's nothing out there. Anyway, um, uh, also in in space news, it turns out the moon has a little sister, and she's been playing hide and seek mm. behind Mars. For about four and a half billion years. Jokes I know, really, because uh, Big Brother Nave never came looking. She just went hiding. <laughs> never came. Keep doing that to my son because I forget we're playing. Anyway, moving on. Um, uh, so, yeah, th- we're not sure whether it's part of the moon that's broken off or whether it's actually uh, part of Mars that got broken off. Um, but either way, it's a small piece of moon exactly the same color it's made of the same stuff it's like it's basically they did a composite thingy of it. it's got lots of iron in it and whatever else the moon got on it um so yeah it could be a little sister if you want to the um the article that was from the guardian uh tried to come up with new names so it's officially called the vf31 or it's the abbreviated name anyway um but they were trying to come up with new names so um uh, I don't know if you want to come up with one too, or maybe anyone else has got to go and put the comments below. But uh, very first one, Moon 2. Because it's a Moon 2. <laughs> Simple, but it's effective, but it's rubbish. Uh, chip off the old moon. Um, and uh, probably the most, well, at least in the UK, it would be the most popular one would be um, moon, Moony Moonface. Because that's... That's the old pretty classic, classic isn't it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, another little moon, apparently. Technically, uh, but... yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of moon puns out there. Uh, yeah, please add some comments. But uh, yeah, mini moon, uh, don't know, there's plenty. Just moon. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so, in another Guardian article, uh, it was the subject of artificial light. Um, being discussed and proposed that it should be treated like any other pollution due to the impact that it has on surrounding wildlife. Mm. Um, so it's, uh, they did a massive study. They've discovered stuff like reduced pollination by insects, uh, trees budding early in the spring, seabirds flying into lighthouses, sea turtles mistakenly wandering inland to bright hotels. Um, down to all lots of things, you know, like just, yeah, whether things feed longer or shorter because there's less or, or less night, more day, whatever. Just essentially, it's just interfering with the general flow of nature, if you if you if you like. Um, mm. They're not all negative, but um, th- but they they do show that they, the artificial light is having an effect. So um, Kevin Gaston, who's a professor from the Environment and Sustainable Sustainability Institute at the University of Exeter, said. At the moment, we have the attitude that lighting is something we chuck out there and don't think about very much, but we need to think of it in terms of using it only when we need it. 
where, where we need it and how we need it. It is another pollutant. Good point. So why do we do it? According to Kevin, at the heart of this is a deep-rooted human need to light up the night. We are still, in a sense, afraid of the dark. The ability to turn the night into something like the daytime is something we have pursued far beyond the necessity of doing so. And I don't think he's wrong. I, it's not, I, I generally hadn't really thought about it much, really. I mean, I, like I was aware of it, but I hadn't really thought about it as in that, in that terms before. Because, it, yeah, it's anything that where we just don't think about the impact of it, hmm. um, which is what used to be the case with all the stuff. Uh, it's probably is a pollutant. I mean, you've all known like, like pollution, but um, but I don't know if we do anything particular to stop it. No, I'm in the same same boat as you. I, I've not thought about it really. No, no. Mm. I mean, even like you know, you put solar lights in your garden, you think that'd, that'd be pretty, and but the reality is they add light to your garden for a while anyway. Yeah. I suppose that messes up some sort of insects or something. Yeah, I mean, it might be on a, on a small level, and there's, you know, if there's, I guess, in some worlds, it's for some amount of species that will increase their feeding time. So, you know, it's a, hmm. probably a, a weighing thingy, but um, it's certainly something I think people should be at least aware of, even if they don't change it. I mean, but and we do yeah. it a lot safely, don't we? So. As in, there's a, we have streetlights so that we can don't get mugged or whatever. But we don't actually need yeah, it unless it's only on the street. But anyway, um, right. Yeah. We've been doing our little segment of round of applause. I think we need a new one. Mm. One where we just mock people. Okay. <laughs> um, and this week, uh round of mocking um is going to be shell uh, as in royal dutch shell company as in oil company mm. uh if you google the top worst sustainable companies you'll likely find a few names that repeatedly appear on lists chevron exxon mobile is it maxim mobile or exxon mobile exxon mobile isn't it you know mobile. Yes. yeah exxon um and another one you'll often see is Shell. So, you know, they're generally... Mm. But anyway, earlier this week, Shell started a Twitter debate and a poll where they asked, <clears throat> what are you willing to change to help reduce emissions? Um, which I think people... Well, basically, they wish they hadn't asked. A lot of people took offence to being suggested that it was in any way anyone else's fault and not theirs, or not least more theirs than ours, because they knew about it for 30 years, and then it tells. us. Um, but I thought I'd read you out some of the comments. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or AOC as she's otherwise known, uh, replied with, I'm willing to hold you accountable for lying about climate change for 30 years when you secretly knew the entire time that fossil fuel emissions would destroy our planet. Nice one, AOC. Uh, Next up, we've got uh, Greta Thunberg. Uh, she replied with, I don't know about you, but I sure am willing to call out the fossil fuel companies for knowingly destroying future living conditions for countless generations for profit, and then trying to distract people and prevent real systematic change, systemic change, sorry, through endless greenwash campaigns. Well, that was all hyphenated as well. That's why I had to read it so um so that was good um then we had some other comments like some more funny ones like uh this is like freddy krueger asking what you're willing to change to get better sleep uh or a similar one this is like hannibal lecter asking which corn product you'd like to try <laughs> uh to the more aggressive and blunt fuck you for apparently destroying our planet and gaslighting us all the while you had your chance to be part of the solution now we're doing everything we can to put you out of business and send your executives to prison and we won't stop fair enough <laughs> <laughs> um and then there's some a few more blunt ones uh, just a couple i read out to you you are the apostles of death and uh look in the fucking mirror nice and blunt one yeah but 
going through a lot of them, trying to find some sensible, well-natured ones. I found one which I think probably uh, summarised it without swearing too many times. Um, was I'm willing to never buy anything from Shell or ever invest in Shell. That should help reduce emissions. Wow. Well done, Shell. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a reason why online polls always fail. Um, the internet is scattered with various reasons and various evidence-based things that have failed over the years of why marketeers should never do this. But they never seem to learn. Um, I mean, the most common ones or the biggest proper ones, did you hear about the McDonald's and Taylor Swift campaigns? No. Oh. I mean, if you want to laugh and you don't mind a little bit of vulgar naming and sprinkling of racism here and there, just have a quick Google of uh, McDonald's name a burger fail. Name As you can imagine, okay. yes. They tried to get people on the internet to name the new burger and it ended up as a massive failure. Right. Uh, the Taylor Swift one's hilarious too. Um, she was trying to get a point where people would vote for where she can visit next to do her next gig. And yeah. um, North Korea was winning for a while, but they were quite clever and they changed the rules to be just in the US. So, okay. So they decided to make it uh, the St. Louisiana uh, Music School for the Deaf. And that's where she went, apparently. <laughs> So that, that's nice of them, but that's just the internet. I mean, never trust the internet. And yeah, more fools to the marketers. Yeah. Anyway. That's all, that's all I've got, so. Cool. Yeah. I'll just jump into my news because I know we've got a big topic today. So I'll yeah. put a bit of um, light sprinkle of news to ease us in a little bit. Um, and a nice bit of news from the UK. We have just achieved the anticipated first plasma in what's been an unprecedented huge fusion experiment so it's something the uk has been building for the last seven years and we now have a reactor which has successfully been turned on for the first time and achieved first plasma cool. uh, what that means is that it's a confirmation that all the components work together to heat uh, hydrogen uh, into a state of plasma so into that state of matter. Old hydrogen again. Hydrogen always comes back. I mean, it's the world's, not the world's, the universe's most abundant element. So it makes sense we would use it. Um, the development is, is crucial, basically, for the function of a, of a nuclear fusion reactor. And this ability to turn hydrogen into plasma will be what's needed to eventually reach the dream of having a nuclear fusion reactor. Mm -hmm. And obviously, once we do get that, which has been the dream for decades, and we've chatted about before, uh, once we do get that's then clean, virtually infinite, low carbon energy. And yeah, we just are a little bit closer now. So that's a very nice experiment for the UK. Yeah. So that one's hard to follow since that's a really big one. But um, how about um, a millionaire a UK millionaire who is working to grow high quality diamonds made entirely from the sky. Yeah, the sky. So he's going to extract the carbon out of the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere and then compress it into diamonds? Yeah, how did you know that? I just, <laughs> just that clever. <laughs> That's exactly what he's going to do. So this UK millionaire is Dale Vince, and he's the founder of Ecotricity. And that's basically what they're doing. They have a, um, a lab, which is they call it a sky mining facility, based in Stroud. And it captures carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, as you say, uh, takes water from rainfall, and does all this via solar and wind energy. Great. So it's low carbon to make diamonds and they're expected to pump out 200 carats of diamond a month in the short term ramping up and scaling to a thousand carats a month 
and they're still deciding how to price these because um, pricing of diamonds and the whole idea of like blood diamonds, they're priced primarily on the difficulty of their mining. So when we're just making them from the sky, I assume they should be significantly cheaper. Well, yeah, but perhaps more importantly, although it might not change it, because um, I, I mean, I, I know there was a, a bad rep for diamond um, mining. Um, yeah. Still, that bad stuff still happens or not? But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but presumably, uh, they could take away from that industry, which would then crash any ability for them to to get away with what they get away with. Exactly. That's exactly what he tries to do. So um, it's, it's he's an envir- environmentalist. That's what, that's what we want. It just comes down to us to say, actually, yeah, we're quite happy to have a thousand carat thingy that doesn't come from there. But the problem is, people also just think the one that comes from the from the ground is more rare still maybe it really depends i think that's why their their pricing is still to be decided because they need to undercut that market effectively um it's the same quality if not higher because it's more pristine and yeah there's there's no child mining there's no blood diamond no one's died to make to mine this out so it loses that sort of um entanglement which i think the majority of people would prefer obviously there could, there could be some sort of you know psychopaths who want that yeah but but i mean they'll sell continue to get that but it'll be much rarer much more expensive and those operations would primarily fail i would assume so mm-hmm. yeah all on to uh vince so yeah lance vince cool investment Okay, in other news, um, a little bit from the EU. So kind of a negative news too, because we're leaving the EU, which is why this becomes an issue for us. But electric vehicle sales in Europe are expected to triple, which is pretty cool. And the UK faces supply issues. So we are in a situation where we literally cannot buy enough. There's not enough uh, cars here for the demand right now. So what we're expecting, um, right now, we're expecting a triple to roughly account for 10% of all vehicles in the EU to be electric by the end of 2020, which is quite cool. And 15% in the end of 2021. So this is quite a big um, percentage. 15% at the end of next year? Yes. Currently 5%. 5%. I still would have expected a faster growth next year, to be honest. Maybe I'm uh, optimistic. I mean, it's estimated. Um, yeah, the UK is part of this tripling. However, we are um, in that transition period where we leave in the EU, which kind of makes um, our involvement a slightly awkward. Um, the EU has emission laws in place, which allows the adoption of electric vehicles to be easier because um, higher emissions get fined, etc. Similar system to what we have with road tax right now. But it's a EU-wide thing. Right. Um, without the EU, um, obviously, we have to design our own rules, our own encouragement scheme to get people into electric vehicles, yep. uh, which I think we are doing. But yeah, we do have a supply issue. Mm. So Tesla is on the list, but they are not at the top. Um, at the top right now, uh, we seem to have just the kind of local... European brands, the ones you'd kind of expect. You know, Zoe and that lot. Yeah, exactly. All, all the, the normal ones. So I suppose that kind of makes sense. Um, we are expecting Tesla to be a bit more of a player in 2021 in Europe. But yeah, right now it's, it's Zoe. That's, that's number one. Yeah. And uh, it probably rain for some time. What's, what's the range like in the Zoe compared to a Leaf? Um, I can't remember, but uh, I guess I would probably say it's probably about 150, something like that. I'd have to look it up, but it won't okay. work. It's not huge. It'll probably be about the same as the um, uh, the the newer Nissan. Mm. As, in, as in, not my one. Right. Okay. Yeah, because yours is about 90-ish, isn't it? So we're looking at about. I don't know that. I, that's, that's a complete guess. I'd have to. I'd okay. Okay. Um, the correct answer there. There you go. There we are. Uh, so for, 
for the UK to be part of this uh, tripling of growth, it just needs to act a bit quicker and get some laws in place to um, help incentivize and get rid of any supply chain issues because some of those are regulation uh, issues which it can clean up. So hopefully there are people on that, sorting that now, uh, because I really would like to see the UK's electric vehicles also triple. And last week we gave a round of applause for the 20,000th electric charging point being installed in the UK. So I feel we are getting closer to this world where, well, the UK again, closer to a world where it is the king of wind, the king of electric vehicles. We can do it. Let's hope we can get there soon. So, I mean, I think the, the Tesla's um, German factory will probably help uh, with supply anyway. Mm. Um, and obviously we've got the Model Y, which will be very popular in Europe. Um, yeah. It's only sort of starting to come out now and I think it's still being shipped over. So yeah, that should all start. And then of course you've got the Cybertruck, which, you know, there are orders from in the UK. No one's got yeah. one yet. So they're coming too. I know because I'm on the list. Well, didn't Musk say he's not uh, shipping to the UK? Um, well, they're not doing that at the moment. No, um, <laughs> and I think they're they're planning on tweaking the U the U or the certainly European one, if not the UK one. European yeah. One. Um, but there's been some backlash on that one as well because people are going look just because the apparently you can get. Uh, classifications added to your license so that you can you can drive bigger vehicles and some people would rather have go through the effort of getting an additional classification added to their license than they would have a smaller test of Cybertruck they'd rather get it you know they'd rather go and do a test and have a massive Cybertruck than they would drive a small one okay <laughs> Elon Musk didn't even know that that was possible so he's looking into it for us fair enough Personally, if they make it an inch thinner, that's fine. I don't, I don't mind. Yeah. Well, they're the process of redesigning it, as you said, so I'm sure they can do that. Sure they can. But yes, we do need some better options on the road. We do. That isn't just a Reynolds Zoe. And yeah, the final little fun one before I hand the floor back to yourself. Oh, okay. um, do you think AI is incredibly smart? Now, well, I mean, yeah. yeah, yes, I do think it's incredibly smart. Yes, I do. Cool. I think I think in general it kind of is. Yes, but um, Inverness Caledonian Thistle Football Club certainly do think it's very clever, and uh, they developed a ball tracking AI to mm -hmm. operate its pitch side cameras. And uh, yeah. they did this for two reasons: one, they're a smaller club, they don't have the funds, and two, we're in a pandemic, so you don't really want people running about if they don't need to be there. Sure. So. They developed this um, bit of AI tech to follow the ball and pan the cameras for them. Oh. How could it go wrong? So... What could it do? <laughs> Nothing. Um, then it doesn't know where to look. Just looks up in the sky. Well, you think they'd test these things. So, they, I mean, it was fully well tested as far as I've read. And when you and I can attest, it's very easy to get bugs in software and it's very easy to get into live software too. Um, they can easily sit through testing, um, especially innocent bugs, which you wouldn't even think of testing. So this particular one, uh, pitch cameras were doing an amazing job for the first 10, 12 minutes. And then it locked on to what it thought was the ball, but it turned out it was the linesman's bald head. <laughs> and it followed him the rest of the game. Ah, <laughs> uh, brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> so every time the linesman came into shot, uh, the cameras immediately panned to him as if he was the ball. And <laughs> it stayed on him until he left shot. Um, this, this game was being streamed on YouTube, so a lot of fans were obviously quite peeved by this. Uh, one fan on Twitter put it out. <laughs> uh, missed our goal. Camera kept thinking the Lino's bald head was the ball. Don't know what's happening. <laughs> so it's, it's quite a funny thing. So uh, there's a link to the video in the description. Well, they, um, did, there, was that, there was a show on TV like when I was younger, probably Question of Sport or something. 
Um, and I swear one of the things was, or maybe it was in the newspaper, there was a, somewhere with sport where you would have to, you could see a picture and you'd have to guess where the ball was. Right? Okay. So that was something that, so someone's got that. There's, you know, if, if we recorded all those entries, we must have millions and millions of entries of where people think the ball is. Um, but yeah, obviously, theoretically, you could just play an entire football game and then remove the ball from the from the footage and then teach the AI on that. But you should be able to teach the ball. Teach what well, point is? You should be able to teach the AI where the ball is without ever seeing the ball, just by based on what everyone else is doing, because people are running towards it or standing up for it, waiting for it, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I personally would have thought you'd just put a Bluetooth chip in the ball and have the camera follow that. <laughs> why, why even have visual AI processing? That just sounds too much, too complicated. Really, uh, no slow though, isn't it? That would be, that would be too slow because they have to receive the signal and, and work it out. I, I'm sure there's a faster way. I'm sure that there's the faster sort of connection. That, is that isn't visual connection. But uh, yeah, so that's a cool little video that's in the description. Um, and if you want to pause us and take five minutes out to have a laugh, please do. Because... Uh, yeah, from now on, it gets political. So, over oh. to Ross. Oh, you've told them what's going to happen next. Oh, I think they're going to know. <laughs> well, okay. Um, right. Well, let, before we go quite there, let's. So we in a not it was only a few episodes ago we talked about the Paris Agreement. Mm. Um, today, the fourth of November, uh, is the official date that the U.S. exits the Paris Agreement. Um, Technically, President Trump left it in June of 2017, but according to the rules, they had to stay in for three years. So um, when they joined through Obama, uh, he, I don't know if this is the official uh, reason, but I, I think he knew that he was going to get pushed back from the Senate and Congress to actually uh, put it through. So he bypassed all of that by signing, um, he, he did a Trump and signed an executive order. To just go screw you guys i'm doing this anyway um which he did um so uh yes so that that all happened but obviously then he he then left and then today is the important day that they officially leave now something else is going on today i'm sure if you're quite aware um but um we will come to that in a second so um as outsiders as in outsiders of the us mm -hmm. i think uh, you and I would agree that it doesn't reflect particularly well on the US that they pulled out of that agreement. Um, I think typically we think that Americans share the same sort of values as us, um, and it makes them it makes pulling out of that. I think it's like two hundred twenty company uh, countries involved with that coming up with that, and it makes them seem quite petty and selfish and short sighted, um, uh, and not what we would necessarily expect from them. Um, and actually, it's not even what um, most Americans, at least the ones that we see in the public eye, the ones we see on TV or whatever, it doesn't seem to reflect what they want either. So it just seems to be Donald Trump and then all these hidden people that that don't seem to think that climate change is, is, is a thing. Um, so I think um, if we're talking about our own political views, you and I would both say that we're more conservative than, than anything else, um, which in America would make us Republican, from what I understand, is that fair? I, I think so. Yeah, but our our version of conservatism is different to this. Is it okay? Fine. All right, I, I, I won't make that stretch. In. But um, but you know, so it, either either way, the point of me saying that was to say that we might more align with um, Trump's party than than Democrats. But for me, this isn't a conservative issue. This is mm -hmm. just um, having a basic understanding that some things are are bigger than than the the individual person's pursuit of of success uh, or the american dream as they probably call it um mm. just about having a, a problem which is a more of a global issue that we all need to work together in together to work towards fixing a bit like the pandemic um so you know, excluding themselves from the agreement just makes them also seem a little bit less um trustworthy like they're not making their decisions based on sensible argument, but rather than probably actually probably just money. Um, so anyway, the new the US can rejoin. It takes them, I think it, it might take them a month or so, might be some provisions that they have to do, but um, 
if they if they choose to go back, that they could go back quite quickly. But President Trump has no interest in doing so. Um, but Joe Biden has said that he would withdrawing if he became president, uh, which of course brings us on to the topic, literally of the day and possibly of the week, um, the U.S. election. Um, so it's Wednesday evening here in the UK, which makes it mid-afternoon in the US a day after the election um, and as it currently stands we still don't know who the new president is going to be uh, at last look I think if everybody um, if if the states that had yet to complete their counting just stopped counting now um, I think it worked out that basically Biden would win by like a like two electoral votes or something um but uh because some of the states are so close we've already had um trump contesting them and stuff so um he's questioning everything uh in fact uh he said well be well in advance of the election that basically if he doesn't win it was fraudulent um but the problem is you know if he did win he pronounced himself the winner and say nothing more about it there was no fraud. We would just be like, yeah, we won. I knew we were going to. Um, in fact, he declared himself the winner last night, um, which is long, long before the states had, find, had finished counting the ballots. I think maybe not even half of them were in at that point. Um, oh. And his, his claim was that in this day and age, that the current technology is a sham and it shouldn't take a few days to get the result. But like you can't just decide now that because you think the results should be counted in a day that therefore it will be so all a bit weird uh people have moaned at him or um criticized him for uh coming out and not only saying that he'd already won but that it was a fraud and that you should oh that was the main thing was that you should they should stop anyone that's yeah. in, in like trying to vote should just stop now um, even though, yeah. um, but just this is a thing there as well that um, that's sort of like um, a reality check is voting has stopped. You can't no longer vote. It's no. now just counting. So, I mean, when you said stop voting, people already have stopped voting. It's now counting. So what he's actually saying is stop counting. So it's kind of it's a bit it's a bit confusing then because. What they're basically counting now are the mailed-in votes, which are from, for example, overseas military who are allowed to vote. Um, overseas U.S. residents are also allowed to vote. So their mailed-in votes, especially during a pandemic where they were encouraged to mail them in, I think is very insensitive. To well, that's say. not the only one. So obviously a lot, of, a lot of people in, I think especially Philadelphia, mm. um, uh, sent theirs in because they, they felt you know, it wasn't safe to go to the polls. Exactly. They were, they were encouraged to do so. Yeah. But by him saying, stop counting now, if, if, you're, if you're a Republican and you're, you're, you're working for the, the counting polls, then, you know, if you listen to your president at that point, you would be breaking the rules, basically. So, as we mm. um, So, yeah, you can't just change the, you can't, the point is you can't change the rules just because it doesn't fit with what you'd like it to do and I think he, there's a state that was close and before it even got to the point of being a final count, he'd already said we wanted a recount before, even, before we even knew which way it had gone. So it's all looking a bit of a mess. But um, Okay, so I thought it would be interesting just to quickly explore. He, Donald Trump says he wants better technology for voting. Mm. So I thought I'd explore what what's potential systems there are so um one that has been used uh, or at least been touted to be uh, the savior uh is um blockchain technology so over the last few years in west virginia colorado and utah they've all used blockchain based mobile apps to mm. allow the military as you mentioned um and their families who are living overseas to cast absentee ballots using their phone um, and the, the apps also made use of fingerprints and facial recognition. Um, 
Now, just to, before we have any sort of questions over this, those three states that I mentioned, currently two of them are red states, one of them is, is blue. So it's not even like it's a, there's no partisan view there. <laughs> it is split. Um, Surprised to see California is not on my list. You'd think Silicon yeah. Valley. <laughs> but it's not. It's all in the middle ones. Um, so anyway, there are still concerns over using the blockchain technology for the wider general electoral purpose because it would basically, because it's such a big thing and it would be um, manipulating the result would be so impactful that um, it's too much of an incentive for people to try to um, abuse it. Um, so whilst the, the log of all the results might be perfect because it's on a, on a blockchain, you would still need to rule out the possibility of the devices themselves being compromised uh, and somehow manipulating the input of the user through some malware on the phone. Um, and because it's the internet, the ability for that malware to get on the phone and to affect a wide number of voters easily is, you know, you could, it's, it's, it has the potential, you know, if you put some sort of, you can imagine some sort of TikTok link, <laughs> which says, you know, download it from here. And it happens to be a dodgy version of the, of the same app. And then you, you, you get the point. So um, game in the system, basically. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I've never thought of that. Uh, basically, what they're saying is that the whilst blockchain and the technology is there, um, what makes paper ballots good is because they're rubbish. Yeah, because analog. It would take such a, a concerted effort to manipulate um, the paper ballots by interfering with you know, lots of different polling stations and et cetera, et cetera, that it's, it makes it much, much harder to do than a potential virus that you can spread in seconds. So yeah, it's, its strength is its weakness. Um, so aside from security threats, the election itself, many people will have also an issue with the, um, uh, with the validation method of, uh, so anyone who needs to register with the app would of course need to require some sort of proof of identification um, which obviously brings up concerns over privacy and whether the government are going to require um, your identification to do some sort of big brother-esque uh, facade for something else or whether it would be used for, um, and this is a thing that's been talked about quite a lot recently, uh, intentional voter suppression. So mm. don't understand fully how it works, but um, from what I understand, in certain states, they were achieving suppression of I think it was black voters or, or at least some minority group of voters by requiring them to have lots of proof of this and that. So because they weren't able to get hold of those documents easily, they therefore couldn't vote. So it's, it's a way of filtering out. I don't know why necessarily why those people wouldn't have had those identification documents in the first place, but um, it could be used in that way. So, it would have to be introduced yeah. sort of slowly, I guess, and um, make sure it covers those issues. Yeah. Um, but a, on, the, on, the, on the flip side, a simple app that allows you to vote could seriously fix the one thing that they talk about every, every election day is turnout. I was talking about yeah. how a true democracy would have everybody involved and everybody voting. And if um, it was able to work on a smartphone, then the chances are your, your number of votes would increase dramatically i mean has it increased dramatically this year because of the the sort of con the the widely divided country or has it improved because so many more people were able to just do it via post because they weren't able to do it before via post there was there were rules as to who could and who couldn't and this year they released those they they removed those rules so anyone could do it and mm. we have much higher intake for voters in the us so it's that you know causality um, so basically the only way to get, um, us to the point of able to use blockchain as, as a, as a viable technology for voting is basically to prove it, that it can't be manipulated, um, probably not on a general election, but on a smaller scale and then slowly grow it up, which is what they're doing basically with these small tests. Yeah. That's actually a really good point that the blockchain itself 
can't be manipulated, but yeah, the devices can. Um, I, ne I never thought that angle. That's quite a weakness. Yeah. There you go. Um, so then I thought, well, since we still don't know whether it's Trump or Biden who's going to win, um, I thought I'd quickly look into who is considered to be the best or the better for the UK. As it's a UK podcast, we should um, forget. It's not worry about. They got America first. We've got UK first, and we want to know what um, it would do for us. So um, I read an article published on City AM uh, early in the week, um, and they mm. had two different opposing views. There's an deliberately got two different views, and then they mm. got to tell you why. So the first view was from a Republican, um, and they said, unsurprisingly, that they thought Donald Trump would be better um, <laughs> because he's part British, which that's, I thought... That's, yeah, it's quite, As I said, that's quite a stretch because isn't all of America part British? <laughs> that's kind of where <laughs> they came from. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so because of it, because of that, according to the person, um, uh, that makes him pro-British, and that's why his administration has made a free trade agreement with the UK a priority. Only reason, apparently, it's because he, he he's was it Scotland? Is he from? He's got some connection to Scotland. He's isn't he? got a Scottish family. He got Scottish golf courses and stuff. Yeah, but uh, I mean that sounds good. I can't wait to get into that uh, chlorinated chicken. Mm -mm. Is that CFC <laughs> chlorinated fried <laughs> chicken? Anyway, um, so yeah, in on in the con on the opposite side, the contrast. Lee Biden is expected to focus on the EU above the UK because they're bigger, um, and has threatened that and the uh, No Deal also that no deal would be made if we messed around with the Irish Brexit border thing, which I think is now referred to as the internal market bill or something. The thing that Boris has recently said that we might need to do something in this event, which we never plan to execute that thing. Basically, if we mess about with that, the US will give us the middle finger, according to Joe Biden. Um, so that was their view. The flip side Democrat view was a more of a general one uh, that Trump has a reputation for undermining global cooperation. Um, as we mentioned, in the Paris Agreement, uh, he's an America first standpoint. Um, his attitude towards climate is that we don't need to do anything because it won't matter too much. Um, he's questionably, he has, sorry, questionable handling of COVID 19, um, arguably accepted to be one of the worst countries in the world of how they dealt with it. Um, uh, and generally his, you know, attitude towards people, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, reverberates around the world as, as, as a slightly negative influence. Um, and I'm being polite there. Um, a post-pandemic world will have, a, have new problems to solve with green technology, automation, artificial intelligence, stuff like, you know, self-driving and things like that, the new new sort of more complicated problems. Um, and a longer term view is that the UK will do better if it has a president that more closely reflects our own values, being a bit more open-minded, more forward-looking. Um, and given the choice of the two of them, Joe Biden is the better of the two. So those are the two different arguments. Dare I ask you, what do you think? It's a hard one, isn't it? Because in a given state, I can see why Donald Trump would be the best option for us. Because? In the sense of, we are heading for a no-deal Brexit on January the 1st. Yes. Um, and we would want that trade deal. Uh, should Biden side with the EU, and we do go no-deal, obviously that does put up the Northern Irish and Republic of Ireland border into despair. So we are likely to get slapped for that quite heavily. So it does kind of feel like We'd want Donald Trump. But um, see, I see that as potentially better for Trump in the very short term view. But I think. Yeah, but for the next four years. <laughs> That's all he's got. Yeah, but I mean, so we, we could still get a deal with Biden. It might just not be as quick. Um, well, yeah. It might not, but, um, but so I, 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 I kind of have to still side with the argument that just rather have someone who 
who looks like us, sounds like us, <laughs> thinks like us a bit more than Trump does. He's a bit too erratic for my liking. Um, yeah, no, I get what you mean. Um, I, you might get a deal with him, but then we disagree with him about something, and then it all bets are off, and we it won't, you know, we won't, it won't happen anymore. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of pros and cons, obviously, but and we're trying to grow back arena or whatever, um, and he's definitely not going to do that. I mean, well, they're, no, they're trying to create more coal. I think. Um, yeah. So we're not going to be aligned in that sense either. So I don't know. I, I think okay. long term, we just we just need a, a, a more sensible person, basically. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the reasons of pulling out of the past climate agreement that they want to bring back manufacturing jobs and reopen the coal mines. Uh, they basically had no intention of meeting their emission targets because they looked across the sea and saw that China wasn't either. However, since then, China has released its own um, ideas of how it's going to get to carbon neutral by 2050. Yeah. And they do seem to be doing stuff about it. Uh, yeah, the U.S. hasn't going to be ahead, aren't they? They're going to be dramatic. Exactly, exactly. But ultimately, going to suffer. But I mean, even if the U.S. pull up the past climate agreement and say, "Cool, we don't want your rules. We'll have our own rules." Okay, what are your rules? What are you going to do? Because it's a worldwide problem. You can't just pretend it doesn't exist. Mm. And given the maps you see of when the polar ice caps melt, I mean, it's, it's the U.S. that gets really badly hit. All the rich places on the coasts, like California, is gone i mean there's a reason why most of the middle states are quite sparse and uh, why right now trump holds the middle belt but the middle belt have very limited electoral votes because not a lot of people live there yeah. so in place like california where there's like 20 million people i also get I'll, the impression they don't know what's going on outside i mean i'm not that might be a bit rude but um like listening to all the commentary at the moment and, and when they do the interviews to the people in those sort of counties it's it's like they don't understand it's like they don't know what's going on it's like they like they think that that coals you know like if we just take coal as an example like they think that that's the answer that those it's it's wrong that we don't have coal they haven't sort of worked out that well on second it causes a problem too so you can have manufacturing jobs they just can't be coal you know the, you have to have other jobs they're just yeah. not one that you used to have, which I appreciate is difficult for people to retrain and all that sort of stuff, but it's, it's, it's like they're just not aware of all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, the coal industry in the UK ended in the 80s with Margaret Thatcher primarily. And I think the problem is that Trump has played an economic card by saying we need to compete with China. And we are competing with China, well, the US compete with China on the basis of uh, trying to bring back jobs to the US. And coal, for example, is still imported, still used, the same as the UK still imports coal. And they're trying to build it themselves. But what they've not really understood, perhaps, America, is that China's like 100 years behind in terms of its development. It's basically still in the industrial era. So using coal for itself makes sense because they haven't had the ability to get past that era properly yet, especially now that we're putting penalties on the use of that. Yes. Was the US has, you know, enjoyed out that era for you know, a long time. Yeah. But yeah, we're competing on the wrong things, I think. Mm. So, yes. Um, right. Um, yeah, the other thing I want to add, and even though Joe Biden might be the best bet, um, there is one thing that I think a lot of people maybe don't consider is that if Donald Trump does lose, he doesn't go out of office tomorrow or the day after he loses. He no, stays in office. What's that? January, isn't it? Yep, 20th of January. So he will be in office for another three months or so. Um, and given what we know about Trump, do you think that would be anything but unpredictable and vengeful? Um, well, it depends on whether or not... if. Um... If the election is won, does it change the House and the Senate straight away? No. Checks, but I didn't. Um, so he still, he, still has a, he has still has power, basically. He, he could does. make things very difficult for his successor. He does, but does, um, but does the Senate and the House change immediately? Um, I think that's the same, same times. I don't think it does, no. Either way, you can still do an executive order. 
That's true. They can't can do executive orders. But yes, but then presumably, if he can do an executive order, then he can undo the executive order, just like he did with Obama's Paris yeah. Agreement. <laughs> he won't really get anything through the House and the Senate because they're split already, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but then obviously that would be the new problem. I mean, obviously we're now talking about just what the situation is for the US. But if um, if it's this close, there's a reasonable probability that they're still going to be divided in the yes. Senate, I think. Um, and therefore, he won't be, um, whoever's in won't be doing anything anyway. No, um, that's kind of the idea that the person, the president who loses is just basically called the lame duck who just sits in office, uh, rides out the remainder of the term, and doesn't really do anything. And I suppose that would be the honorable way to go out. However, we would expect Trump to fight legally, as he's already stated he will, via the courts um, if needed. And he already has admitted he will not um, commit to an orderly transfer of power. So he will actively block as much as he can. So if Biden does win, he's probably in for months of trouble trying to even get in. So when you say, for example, we can rejoin the past climate agreement within a month, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. No, sorry, I didn't mean within a month from now, but from whenever they state that they'd like to go back in, it will only take them, it took them three years to leave and take them one right. month. They can just say, I'd like to go back in and then they have to go, yeah, they have to wait a month or something to join. There, there's um, there's going to, so there's an event, I think, in December, which might be held in the UK, if it's even being held because of the COVID, but um, which if they had said like tomorrow that they wanted to come back, they wouldn't be able to go to that because they'd have to go past a few steps first before they could go um, mm. to these events. But the point being is they could undo that pretty quickly if they were. Ah, good. Okay. I mean, that would be actually be a good show for Biden then. Just undoing that itself would uh, undo a lot of damage. If he wins, which we don't know. If he wins, still very divided, likely to be divided for some time. I mean, he might now be in. Like, since oh. we've started this episode, he might now be in. We don't know. Certainly, no if we publish this, then he might be in. But we think <laughs> he's going to be in court, is what we expect him to happen for the next Yeah, and he's padded out the Supreme Court quite well in preparation for this. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of pre-planning gone in you. Yeah. But uh, and one thing we do know is that Kanye West has not won. He has announced he's lost the running. However, he did get 50,000 votes. Did he? I mean, this world is mad. <laughs> 50,000 votes. Clearly, some people just don't care. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But the cool thing is, if you're a Kanye West fan, he is also running in 2024. Great. So, uh, get ready for that. <laughs> right. Well. Yeah. I don't, know. I, don't, I don't have to go on from there, to be honest. I mean, that sounds like a good place. Just uh, put a pin in it. Yeah. Screw this. Kanye West, the hell. Right, well, on that depressing note. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for watching. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, bye-bye. Remember to think, educate, and act. Bye-bye.